Hi there, welcome to the Simon Tumier podcast. Today I'm speaking to bagpiper and whistler Lauren McDougall. As you'll hear from the podcast, Lauren's done loads of things from performance to playing on Hollywood movie tracks. Now these uh, podcasts are only made possible by my Patreon subscribers, so if you do enjoy them, please check out www.patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumier. Hi Lauren, how's it going? Not too bad Simon, how are you? Oh fantastic, where are you at the moment? I am in Caradale. Uh, down in Kintyre when things started getting bad just over three weeks ago I took a panic a bit earlier than everyone else and it seemed like I made, made the right decision for once in my life so yeah I got down here my dad's one of the high-risk people so I'm kind of happy to be here just now and that's a, a very beautiful part of the world yeah it's good um of course uh gotta watch how much time I spend outside for my one hour exercise but I do I get a lovely walk along Caradale Bay which is a nice 2-4 march if anyone's interested in looking it up but yeah i try and get along caradale bay once a day it keeps me keeps my head right it keeps me sort of i'm losing a wee bit of weight which is good i'm trying to find the positives of this situation but the local bakery now do delivery so that's probably going to undo any good that's been done with the exercise you do a lot of studio production work and uh in many ways, you're kind of set up for that you have a home studio and you were just recording for a project just the other day there yeah um the home studio here is, is it's what i've used for podcasts for a while i mean it's uh, calling it a home studio is a bit of a joke it's uh, it's just one microphone uh, and a macbook effectively but uh yeah I, I i did the first experience of of trying to use it as a home studio last week uh patrick doyle is a, a composer a film and tv composer he's done a lot of massive films i've known him since we did brave together in 2012 uh and he was doing a project for leslie riddich um and i think it was it was all just a volunteer project to do a a video to celebrate the anniversary of the declaration of our broth um so i dropped him an email to see if he fancied me doing anything of course we, we he knew and i knew that there were going to be restrictions as to what we could do he said he would be quite happy to do something over the phone so i thought no, I'll, I'll, I'll try and set something up and the files started to trickle through and uh, it was all very very short notice um so the the, the files were coming through i think thursday night and they had to be recorded and done on friday lunchtime uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it's something that I wish I'd actually spent more time preparing for before I knew this was going to happen. Uh, I actually had quite a lot of trouble with um, plugins and things like that. He was, I was getting files sent from them that were full of plugins that I didn't have um, in Logic, and it was it was just causing all sorts of nonsense. But it was a learning curve, and actually, they used everything that I sent. Um, and they were happy with it and now I know a bit more about how to deal with it in my own space. And can you tell me what the project was? Yeah, it was a, the Declaration of Our Broth. It was just a, a celebration video of that. Um, I think... I think it... I don't know, actually. Uh, how many years has it been? Is it 700 years? 700, yes. Yeah. Um it's a celebration of 700 years of, of the Declaration of Our Both because there's not much going on. There was supposed to be a festival happening. Of course, that got cancelled. So this is just doing something um, where the where the festival should have been in that hole where the festival should have been. So it was a it was a nice um, orchestral piece. 
done, of course, with the limitations of, of not being able to hire any musicians and anyone that was involved was working from home. Um, but I'm, I think it turned out good. Great. Well, going back to your beginning, was bagpipes your first instrument? Yep, it was. Um, the, the sort of career path in the early days for me was through... Uh, well, not really career at that time. It was just a hobby, but it was a, a more in the solo piping scene. Uh, I had quite a lonely existence at school, uh, being the only piper, not the only piper, the only trad musician of my age. Um, and there was a few, maybe two or three years younger than me, but studying higher music and um, being the only trad musician with a, a music teacher who's very good but not really understanding i think he, he did his best but you know there's a lot the pipes have got a, a bit of a bad reputation <laughs> for not being easy to work with which isn't true of course but well, it's, it's true but i mean there's lots of ways you can work around that um and i think he was just scared of me and I, I spent most of my my school music career in a cleaner's cupboard with pipe books and a practice chanter. But the, I mean, my actual pipe tutor, Ian McCarroll, was great. He um, he got me listening to other music. Um, and of course, I didn't, I didn't really know where to find other music. I listened to a lot of Radio Scotland. Uh, and funnily enough, this is back before online radio. Uh, my house in, in Caradio, Caradio's in the Kintyre Peninsula, which is only about 12 miles from the coast of Ireland. So I could also pick up Radio Ulster so I could get to two different groups of folk shows that I could find. So listening to that, um, that's where I started to hear bands like the Tannell Weavers and the Battlefield Band. And then about that sort of time, that's when online naughty music websites, so things like Napster, if you remember that, uh, they, were, they were coming up. So I managed to find more music off of that. Um, and then eventually I did start buying CDs. But yeah, the, the actual getting into trad music didn't happen until I got uh, a flyer through for the uh, RCS course, um, which was called the RSMD there, uh, which I filled in and went for an interview. And to be honest, I wasn't really focusing on anything at the time. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I managed to get into that course. And then things started to go a lot better. You must have, to, in order to end up at the RSMD, you must have really enjoyed the actual playing aspect of your oh, life. Yeah, yeah I, I think I was so desperate to play with other people by then uh, that maybe that showed. Uh, because I was I was listening so much. Uh, I had a, uh, a radio show on Argyle FM, which meant all the record companies would send me CDs, so I would I would get introduced to new artists every month, uh, and uh, yeah, that would just fire the passion for for playing even more. But yeah. And so, when was it you went to the RSAMD? That was two thousand and one. Yeah. So still the early years of that course. Yeah, first year of the piping course, but still the early years of the Scottish music course in general. I think. I think Finlay MacDonald that year had just finished as we started, I think. So the so you say that was the first year of the piping course. Uh, so that must have been amazing, actually, all of a sudden to have something directed just for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was, it was great. And it was a bit overwhelming to start with. 
because it was the first year of the course, I think they were just finding their way through it as well. Uh, we were quite naughty if we could find any excuses to not do work, we would take them. Uh, so a lot of it was just getting out playing sessions uh, or listening to sessions as much as it was actually trying to turn up the next day for lectures. But I think it's still that way just now. So, uh, and I first met you when you entered the BBC Radio Scotland Young Traditional Musician Award. What year yeah. would that have been? That was, uh, there was a semi-final attempt in 2008, I think. And then again, 2009, 10 and 11. So had you let, had the, did you enter the award when you had finished the piping course? Yeah. So I was finished the piping course in 2005, and I'm not actually all that sure what I did for those two or three years. Well, that was my next question. <laughs> in that gap in between, I can't actually tell you. Um, Lived in Glasgow and had a party. I was in Glasgow, yeah, but I can't, yeah, nothing of note. <laughs> but yeah, no, I sort of decided to take it seriously about 2008. Um, I was actually I was living with Stuart Cassells. That's that's I was, I was doing a lot of help first year um, for his own stuff and for uh, the Red Hot Chili Piper stuff. So we, again, we, we were just learning how to do it ourselves at the time. Yeah, that's interesting, actually, because uh, I suppose you've had a, a large involvement with the Red Hot Chili Pipers from the start, I suppose, because you lived with Stuart Cassells. You still have an involvement with them. Yeah, um, it's a, a vague involvement, but it's, it's one that I like to, to keep Um yeah, just uh, usually it's it's around about the time of making new albums. Um, I've I've sort of had various different roles in, in each of the albums. The, the most recent one there, um, I actually ended up playing on quite a lot, which I didn't expect to be the intention. I thought it was more bringing some ideas, um, but that was just great. Just really love what the Chilies do for piping. Uh, that was always the thing that kept me not being embarrassed by them even at the start I knew that they were going to go out and, and encourage young people to go and play pipes and the young people that were encouraged are now some of the people that are playing in the band just now and they're also treating the, the band stuff with respect but also they are they're playing traditional pipe music with a great deal of respect as well So when did you make your uh, first solo album? 2010 that was mostly thanks to Brian McNeil. Brian had encouraged me to try and put an album out, although at the very start, the idea was to hire the sort of home studio that I wish I had right now, um, but just to hire a, a home studio and record a very modest album of just pipes and maybe a little bit of percussion, uh, sorry, a bit of accompaniment, um, and then that would be it. But then actually what we did was Rudy McMillan asked me to go and play on his album uh, up at Watercolour uh, with Nick Turner. Uh, and I liked it up there. Brian was producing that one as well. Uh, and I, I did mention to Brian, you know, is this realistic? Could we actually just get up here for a few days instead? And he put it forward to Ian Green of Green Tracks and Ian said yes. And little things like that happened a few times. Like I just kept pushing the budget um, and got something that I was quite happy with. Right, and what was it called? It was called Hello World, which is, 
yeah, it's to do with computer programming. That's the very first thing a computer programmer learns when he's, he's studying computer programming. So I thought it was good for a first album as well. And one of your collaborators on that album was another was another local Campbelltown lad. Yeah, Ross. Yeah, Ross Kennedy. He's um, yeah, he played bazooki and guitar. And I've not seen Ross in quite a while. Maybe it's time for a phone call. But yeah, Ross was very helpful. But you did a lot of touring with them as well. Well, we did a wee bit of touring. We had a band called Canterach, um, which did spontaneous tours. We, we did some Germany stuff, some Spain stuff. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a bit more spontaneous rather than steady. Uh, but it was good. And again, a, a lot of stuff to learn from doing that. At what point did you join the Tannehill Weavers? Uh, 2013, uh, my flatmate at the time was Gary Innes and Gary had been doing a Man Ran tour in the States with the Tannehills and I think they had some crossover gigs and Colin Melville was just leaving. He was going to Australia for a, a new teaching job uh, and I think they discussed, they were saying they were trying to find someone and Gary recommended me. I said, OK, I'll, I'll try it out for um a tour and we we did a European tour which was very good that would have been uh, at the end of 2013 and then I just kept just taking the gigs that they were giving me so uh, that was yeah 2013 to 2018 would have been the uh, the years I was with the band but I still again still go back I did a couple of gigs last year uh, if anything comes in this year I would probably take them yeah, no, it's instant. I mean, so we're talking about you as a performer here, but actually you, you are so much more than that. Uh, I mean, uh, so in 2012, you you played on uh, Disney's Brave. Yeah, that's right. That was a, a, an absolute dream. Like I'd, I always wanted to do that when I was younger, but I never expected to find a route into it. And I didn't find a route into it. I just fell into a route that went that way. It was... Basically, thanks again to Stuart Cassells of the Chilies, and he he was on he was offered that work, uh, but he was unable to do it because he was in America. He was in in Boston doing a business degree or something like that. Um, so he passed it on to me, uh, and that ended up it was it was very much something that I'd prepared for. I know that kind of contradicts what I just said, but. If something like that came in, I, I knew I'd be ready for it in terms of not just performance, but in terms of the collaboration stuff. So I would I knew I would be getting um, certain sorts of music files sent to me. I knew I would have to give them feedback on it um, and things like that. So we, we did spend quite a lot of time making sure the pipe parts were in the right key, uh, they were decorated right and things like that. And then... Um, because I was working with the Chili Pipers at the time, it made sense. They had asked to, to get four pipers rather than just multi-track ones, so it made sense to get some of them. But that that led on to lots of other things, which which is something that I'm very happy about. Yeah, because actually there was a lot of Scottish musicians involved in Brave. I know yeah. it was a film about Scotland. That, uh, yeah. Jim Sutherland, Julie Fowlitz were all involved in the production of the music yeah. as well, weren't they? That's right, and the composer was Patrick Doyle, and he very much wanted to be given advice on what to do, um, which is is a 
an important thing. I think he he sort of was aware that as Scottish musicians, if you hear classical musicians, no matter how good they are trying to play Scottish music, you can tell that they're not quite steeped in it the way someone like Chris Dill is. Um, so I think he was aware of that and he wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. And I suppose that was also a start of a, a, a long relationship with you, with Patrick Doyle, and you've done quite a few things for him now. Yeah, we've done, well, we did Whiskey Galore. That was sort of the same team, actually, uh, that did Whiskey Galore in 2015. Um, and I've done a couple other wee things for him, uh, bits of music for theatre, um, and that piece that we did last week. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's always... He's always, he's, I've done some, like, even just parties for him and, and things like that as well. So we're always in touch. So it's, it's good. And uh, uh, you are a, a massive Doctor Who fan. Yes, I am. And you've been very lucky to, to record music for that as well. Yeah, that happened in 2013. The uh, composer is a, a composer called Murray Gold. And he basically... I, I sort of emailed him and well, I sent him a message in my MySpace in 2008 uh, saying that I wanted, that if he ever needed it you know, to, to give me a call, if he ever needed pipes or if he ever needed whistles or something like that to give me a call. Um, I was just basically being a big fan and and, and maybe, maybe not being all that uh, tasteful with my with showing it <laughs> uh, but I did I sent him a message he sent me a message back and he said yeah definitely uh, I told him about the young trad which is what I was involved with at that time I kept in touch then when I made that CD in 2010 uh, I asked him if he would write some sleeve notes for it and again he did uh, he, he wrote excellent sleeve notes I didn't expect to get quite so detailed sleeve notes he obviously had listened to the CD and, and, and taken notes and then in 2013, I was watching an episode and then I heard bagpipes in it and it wasn't me. And that's okay because I know now I'd realise how much pressure these guys are under just to get things done. So the, the pipes, um, I can tell they were from a sample library. So I sent him a message and, and, and said, if you just called me, I would have done that quite happily somewhere in Glasgow and sent it to you. And he said, well, okay, we're going to do this live at the Royal Albert Hall for the 50th anniversary concert, can you learn it? So I, I said yes, and uh, it was in, in ways it was a lot better than actually doing a track on the on the the soundtrack because if I was to do that, it would be in a studio in Glasgow. But to actually get to do it at the concert meant hanging about with all the cast and and all the monsters and. Uh, just a very surreal experience. So we've talked about your uh, performing, your uh, glittering, <laughs> your glittering performance well, I thought you said glittering. on a stage. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, I mean, uh, Planet Pipe, you've been running Planet Pipe podcast for a long time as well. Yeah, I'm just off the, the Skype to Scott Wood there. Uh, he's going to talk a wee bit about their new charity album for, that Scary Vore are doing for the NHS. So yeah, Planet Pipe is a, I love doing it, but I'm just not very good at committing to do it um, because it is, it's just a hobby. Uh, so it goes out, I try and do it maybe once every two months. And how long, how long has it been running for? 
Uh, well, it started off by it was started off in 2005 by a company called US Media, who are now Beesnees. That's what Beesnees turned into, uh, and they had a very different business back then. They were doing most of their stuff was online, and then it, 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 when they moved into television. Uh, they just they didn't really want to do the online stuff anymore. So I I just basically asked if I could keep going with Planet Pipe, and they they said yeah that's fine. So it's, I've still got the logos and the t-shirts and and all that sort of stuff. And yeah, it's uh, when I when I put it up, it's good. I get lots of nice feedback, and I forget sometimes that people do listen to it. You do have a great voice for radio. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, yeah, it's it's nice to see because I, I do get feedback maybe once a month. I'll get an email from someone just usually saying, where the hell's the next one? <laughs> it's been two months. <laughs> yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting that. That's a that's a special one that's going up hopefully on Friday. For once, it's not because of me it's not gone up. It's because it's uh, I've asked uh, a, a number of pipers to record in their house and just send me the tracks in. So I've got a couple of – I've got a, most people have sent them in, but the, the – there's a couple that I'm waiting for that are um, big heroes of mine that I really want to still include. So hopefully they'll get things through by the end of this week and I can get it together. And where can people hear that? That'll just be on planetpipe.com and it's in all the usual podcast places as well. So if you just do a search for uh, Planet Pipe on iTunes or your podcast client. That sounds great. So what is happening next Lauren? i know it's quiet times because you do a lot of teaching so you're you're learning the art of online teaching yeah well funnily enough i've done a lot of online teaching uh over the years but it's only been over skype so i'm only familiar with skype uh zoom and google hangouts and stuff like that is all alien to me so i'm gonna have to work out that but yeah well, i think because a lot of the teaching i do is through schools so uh, the School of Music at uh, Oban High School and also in Plotton High School, the National Centre of Excellence up there. Uh, it's it's actually Easter holidays just now anyway, so I don't expect there's going to be much more news for a couple of weeks on how that's going to go ahead. Um, we were talking just recently about our concert for Oban. We do a, a big concert at the end of the year, and of course doing a, a concert in Oban and June is a good thing because it's usually full of tourists. Uh, we're just looking at other ways we can get the students to to have a project like that. Um, and, of course, it's going to be something that's going to be using a lot of online resources and technology. So we're just looking at that. But for myself, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, actually, looking looking forward, it's... it's um, in a ways, in a way, a lockdown's actually a good thing for me because I'm my own worst enemy when it comes to self-discipline. So I've just been asked to to take over the Caradio Music Festival um, Facebook account next week to do a wee twenty-minute recital, um, which is good. That's something that I will need to prepare. I can't, I can't just play for twenty minutes without preparing it. Um, so I'll be doing that, and then the next gig that looks likely to be in the calendar as a solo gig at the end of September on Jura um, which is also still TBC but that's something to work towards. That's horrible thinking that the next gig might be September. But I know actually I've got some depth work with Old Blind Dogs in August 
which again, a perfect time to learn a whole new set is just now. So uh, I've not had any word from that. That's hopefully going to still happen. That probably will be the next gig will be in August. Everything else is just eating away up until then, but that's still safe. Well, that's fantastic, Lauren. Well, I look forward to seeing what's going to happen next and all your various projects and, and actually listening to Planet Pipe on Friday. Yay. 